0: Everybody and welcome back to the Fearless Training Raw Knowledge Podcast with myself, Alex Connor, where we talk everything training, and nutrition and lifestyle, respectively and collectively and this week, I'm going to do something a little bit different, I'm going to do a QA and a solo series, based on the fact that I've got a lot of questions and there's a lot of popular, reoccurring questions that I keep getting asked, so I wanted to try something new, I wanted to try this out and if you like these videos, perhaps I'll make more of them. And if you do have any questions for of yourself and you've not asked one yet, then feel free to jump on and post your questions either on the Instagram forum. That's fearless underscore training underscore. You can inbox or post questions on any comments there or any of the YouTube videos. Uh, and I will compile the questions as I've done here and I will get through the most popular. Uh, I'll try and get through about every single one of them at this point. And if there's obviously reoccurring or similar ones, I'll cover those. Um, and I won't obviously reiterate if we've done one in the past, unless it's a reoccurring question that seems to be not getting answered. So I thought this would be a good way to shed some light on some common misconceptions and perhaps bring some clarity and truth towards a lot of the, the most frequently asked questions in my industry or that I seem to be getting on the gym floor uh, as a coach, a strength and conditioning coach. Uh, Before we dive in, two things. One, if you're listening to this now, the Fearless Training Academy is now launched. So head over to FearlessTrainingUnited.com where I will teach you how to become your own personal trainer, if you will, uh, in terms of learning how to set up your own nutrition from understanding energy balance to macronutrients, etc. What are the most important factors and how do you even set that up? All the way to your training and you know what is important in terms of organizing frequency volume intensity exercise selection time and attention you know what are the best workout splits and every little thing in between we've got an exercise library as well which will show you how to do absolutely everything starting with the main lifts we've got a cooking series in there as well showing you how to make quick delicious and nutritious recipes and we've got much much more and it's being updated every week. So it's a continually growing library and a course, if you will, an academy, a community, a place where you can go and consistently educate yourself with real life information that you can apply to achieve the body composition that you so much desire without all the frustration and bullshit. Excuse my language, but it's true. Now, before we get into these questions, just a disclaimer, the second point. I am not a doctor or a physician. I am answering these questions with my best ability, with my qualifications as a strength and conditioning coach. They are recommendations, considerations, based on my knowledge to the best of my ability and my experience. However, if you do see a physician, a doctor, etc., be skeptical, ask questions, do your own research, do the same with me and be curious because just because someone has a piece of paper, or a higher qualification doesn't always mean that they're right. I often get a lot of um, clients that come to me from dietitians, from doctors, from so-called physicians and, and higher educated people um, who have completely led them down the garden path. And someone perhaps like myself who has not got a master's degree, etc., yet, <laughs> is able to help them. Uh, in layman terms and real-life information perhaps give them um, some more accurate knowledge and information to achieve their goals so just a quick disclaimer there on that one important to understand all right cool let's go into some questions So one of the first questions I'm going to dive into I had lately was about my fitness pal and this one seems to be really popular. So my fitness pal is a tracking tool it's used to measure calories etc measure your daily energy intake you can also measure your your energy expenditure on it as well. However, that is the question that I got. Um, I got asked a question based on do I need to track my energy output or can i eat more if i've tracked my energy output so for example you know they're eating x amount of calories a day and they've tracked that on this particular day they did more steps or they did 30 minutes on a treadmill and now they get you know 150 more calories or whatever it is um and the answer is no because if you have tracked your calories properly or you have created a calorie amount each day for you to hit calorie threshold Um, depending on your goals whether that's to gain weight muscle be in a surplus or be in a maintenance phase and say the same or perhaps a bit of body recomposition decreasing body fat and increasing lean mass or if you're in a purposeful fat loss phase decreasing body fat um, you should have already factored that into your equation with the metrics so for example looking at NEAT which is non-exercise activity thermogenesis etc and then you've got eat exercise and uh, Activity thermogenesis and so on and so forth. So all of those things should be factored in and even when you create Your energy intake and you look at formulas remember it's a guideline you want to look at Starting with something consistent that is obviously relevant by doing some calculations For example, you can times your body weight by X etc. You can look at having one to two grams of protein per kilogram of body weight and then so on and so forth with fats There's many equations that you can use. And if you wanna find out specifically what they are, you can go to, go over to my academy where I give you some actual formulas to start with. And again, they're just recommendations and considerations based on some of the best formulas that are available, but they're still only a starting point because we're all different. And when you eat this amount of food, it doesn't mean that, oh, I'm definitely gonna be in a surplus maintenance or deficit. You need to start somewhere. You need to, as I say, throw the darts at the board and you need to find out where they land so creating your calories and starting with a formula merely gets you on the board or should do and then from there you want to work towards the bullseye what i mean by that is you want to start by eating a certain amount of food daily you know within 200 calories it doesn't have to be completely accurate but the more accurate the better you want to give yourself one to two i'd say about 14 days as it takes a little bit of time for the metabolism to adjust and create consistency to a regular energy intake, especially if you're someone who's been, you know, eating sporadically or has very bad eating habits and has not been eating much food or vice versa, been eating a lot of food, binge eating, etc. You want to give your body the opportunity to regulate with those calories and, and get used to that food. And then you also want to offset that with regular exercise. So, for example, if you've chosen to do three strength training sessions in the gym, you want to make sure that you're consistent. Because if you've done, say, five gym sessions one week and none the other, that's gonna have a severe difference to a degree, depending on how active you are in your daily life as well with your job, of what you're gonna actually change within your calories. So the more consistent you can be with your energy intake and your energy output, the more realistic then you can go, right, well, what is my trend of body weight here? Am I losing weight? Am I gaining weight on those calories? And you can make an adjustment accordingly. However, there are other factors to consider because if you are someone who's new to training weights and you're new to eating you know a certain amount of consistent food every day, you may find that your weight goes up initially because again, you're pulling in glycogen from carbohydrates into the muscle stores and that is, intern- that is in and of itself going to pull in um, water as well with glycogen and store it in the muscles and the liver. So sometimes you can stay the same or increase a little bit before you actually go down because of that physiological change in the body. And so there's lots of things to consider when it comes to energy in and energy out in terms of looking at the scale in a binary approach and also factoring in other things that, oh, just because the weight didn't go down or up doesn't necessarily mean you didn't make progress towards your goal. So this is why things like girth measurements, skin folds, progress pitches, etc, tracking your nutrition and your strength, your energy output, whether you're a cardiovascular based athlete or a strength based, I'm guessing you like lifting if you're here, um, then all those things are going to factor into the equation and then from there you can offset by either decreasing energy intake via calories and food, or increasing energy output via moving more, whether that's having a step target, a goal, or increasing your weight training or your cardio sessions within the gym. So when you're looking at my fitness pal or you're setting up your calories, you don't have to put in your energy expenditure. I would not recommend doing it because I will generally factor that in because you don't wanna get into this habit where, oh, I burned an extra 300 calories today, so I'm gonna eat an extra 300 calories. And you have this constant undulation within your daily calories and you're not eating a consistent amount of food. So keep it simple allocate a certain amount of calories a day stick within that stick within a hundred calories stick within five to ten grams of your macronutrients protein fat carbs and fiber etc and be consistent with your training and from there you can start to draw Trends and then you can manipulate the variables to your goal. Okay, on to the next question Um, I've got here after a, a bulk or a gaining phase. What is the best way to slim down? so There's a a couple of points here when we look at a gaining phase. So if you are someone who has been in a gaining phase for a long, long time, there's a good chance that you'll be a higher body fat percentage. And again, it depends on how advanced you are as an athlete. As a beginner athlete, generally you're gonna be able to add more muscle mass as an intermediate and advanced as you become more experienced in the gym, that obviously rate of muscle gain is gonna slow down a lot. And again, we've got genetic factors to consider as well. We have people who are, you know, more high responders and people who are so-called non-responders. However, we can all gain muscle if we do it correctly and we eat in a surplus of lift weights, it will happen. We might not be Ronnie Coleman, but you will gain muscle. So first thing is, if you've set up a gaining phase correctly and you're not someone who's started at a high body fat percentage, so if you're someone who's new to training and you want to set up a gaining phase and you're relatively lean then don't worry about cutting because you're just wasting your time you might as well start to gain muscle uh, as you go and your body and your but your body composition will increase over time anyway and you'll look more muscular you'll look leaner uh, in many ways However, if, you, if you're someone who's very overweight, perhaps you're over, you know, twenty-five percent, twenty percent body fat, you may want to get down, you know, in the realms of between twelve and eighteen percent, depending on how you want to look. Um, somewhere that is going to be more advantageous for growth. You don't have to be very overweight to grow. Okay, so anything really uh, that is over fifteen percent, you're not really going to get an advantage unless you're interested in strength sports and powerlifting, where you could argue that. Um, if you've got more mass you you generally will be able to move more mass but again what percentage of that is muscle where you know if you want to look and this is what I advocate you know more aesthetically pleasing uh, without sacrificing uh, your health or your lifestyle you know anywhere between 8 and 12 or 8 and 14 percent body fat for most people um, will have them in a really good place where strength is high hormonal balance is good sex drive is there hunger is not Going to be an issue, Um, and you know, you can go out and enjoy donuts and, and live life and have good sex and all that good stuff. So, you want to be looking at again, if you're really overweight, perhaps doing a fat loss phase and building muscle at the same time. And if you are a beginner and you are overweight, you're going to be able to achieve, you know two things I want: you're going to be able to achieve body recomposition you're new to it you'll be able to decrease body fat and build lean muscle because your body will be adapting to the stress and stimulus of weight training for the first time And this is what I do with a lot of my clients. They'll come to me, you know, they're probably a little bit overweight, they've not really trained before, great, cool. We explain the parameters of that, you know, weight initially might jump up, stay the same, sometimes it will, you know, plateau depending on how overweight they are. But then we obviously wanna see weight dropping down. And they often don't lose as much weight as they think, uh, and they end up looking better than they think because, Uh, unless they're very, very obese, they will be increasing lean mass and lean tissue, creating new tissue as they go when we're training effectively. And that number that they had in their head actually begins to change because as we've actually built a lot more muscle, so when we strip the fat or when we lose the body fat, there's actually something underneath rather than having this skinny fat look, which perhaps is something to go into uh, in another question. So if you set up this um, bulk gaze or a a lean gaining phase, which I like to call it correctly, you shouldn't really be gaining too much body fat. So if we're looking at rates of gain, something that I recommend based on experience and and the science and the literature that we know is between 0.5 and 1% of your body weight per week. Now, if you are a flat out beginner, you could go up to the 1.5 to 2% max um, of your body weight um sorry we're looking at rate of gain here that's sorry per month i do apologize uh, rate of loss we'll go into that in a second that's per week so between 0.5 at the low end to 1.5 at the high end percent of your body weight per month okay and obviously that's going to change as you get bigger and smaller That percentage is going to decrease and increase accordingly now again if you're a beginner you want to be on the high end of that because you can create more muscle tissue you can assimilate more muscle where if you are on the low end, that's probably because you're a more advanced athlete. You're not obviously gonna be able to build muscle as fast. So you wanna make sure that you are gaining at a slower rate because again, if you're putting kilos on a week, it doesn't matter what you think, you're not gaining kilos of muscle a week. If that was the case, we'd have some obscenely large giants walking around this earth. So if you have got a little bit fluffy after a gaining phase, then you wanna look at a perhaps a mini cut to tidy things up. um um, you don't want to go into a full-on comp prep phase because you're going to then hinder the possible possibility of losing what you've gained but also then putting yourself in a very vulnerable position uh, and then having to reverse back out of that without gaining body fat so there's no need to get super shredded but it is nice to tidy things up if you've got a bit fluffy and if you want to see what you've you know built over the past 12 months or so and then when we're looking at the uh, fat loss phase, again, I'm, I'm looking at between 0.5 and 1% per week with my clients. Again, if someone is very, very overweight, borderline obese, then we're going to be looking at a higher rate because we've got more fat that we can actually get off the body frame. We want to do that in in essence of health. However, if we're someone who's very lean, we're looking, you know, we're looking at 0.5 and then comp prep even lower than that. Sometimes weight might even, not even fluctuate and body fat will change as well. So that rate is per week so obviously you can lose fat a lot faster than you can gain muscle because of the way it's made up etc um, and you want to look at those rates so when you're setting up it, the fat loss phase make sure that you can get in between that for the most part again you might have weeks where you stall there's lots of other factors to consider again which we've talked about in my previous question about setting up calories and, and tracking them on my fitness pal but if so you can run this mini cut. Now, in terms of running this mini cut after a bulking phase, I'd be looking anywhere between six to 10 weeks maximum. Eight weeks might be the sweet spot. You can afford to be quite aggressive if you've been eating a lot of food, you won't miss it initially. You wanna make sure that you're actually eating in a deficit as well. One of the mistakes I've made in the past is slowly tapering the calories down too much to the point where I probably wasn't in a deficit until about six weeks after decreasing calories low enough. I was just decreasing my carbohydrates, which was therefore decreasing my glycogen stores, my water stores, which was therefore decreasing my weight on the scale, but not necessarily my body fat. So you wanna make sure that you're getting into that deficit. So generally, if you've been in a bulking phase, 500 calories thereabouts and below, you're gonna find maintenance and possibly a deficit. And it might even be another 500 calories below that before you even find your deficit. So for example, if you have been bulking on 3,000 calories, you might find that you will lose weight or even maintain weight on 2,500, and you might even have to go down to 2,000 to cut. This is just an extreme, borderline simple example. But again, be conservative initially, but be purposeful. Don't take 100 calories away, it's probably not gonna work. Start with taking anywhere from 250 to 500 calories away. Check on the levels, again, you might have to change the variety of your foods. Now going back to less food, eating more whole foods, etc., more satiating, more high volume. But chances are, if you've been in a bulking phase, you're probably not gonna be super hungry and you'll be able to actually, you know, enjoy the rest from a lot of the food and lose fat quite fast. And you wanna get in and you wanna get out. So you wanna make sure you're in a fat loss phase. You're doing that for six to eight weeks and then you wanna slowly bring calories back up. You don't wanna go straight back to what you were bulking on. So things may have changed with your basal metabolic rate, your actual body mass has changed. You might jump up 200 calories, see how that works for two weeks and then so on and so forth, but then only jumping up by 150 calories and over time slowly increasing food back to where you are and you know, gaining muscle, but also making sure that you're gaining strength as well because sometimes you might not be gaining, You know when you get to an immediate, intermediate and advanced stage, much on the scales, but over time your body composition's improving because you're lifting more, you're you're increasing more muscle mass for your actual body weight. And that's what we want because remember, this is body building at the end of the day, we wanna build muscle, not lose it. Um, So again, after a bulk, the best way, if you've perhaps got a little bit fluffy, is to do or run a mini cut. Now, one other thing to be said for that is if you're in a gaining phase, you wanna make sure that you're gaining for an appropriate amount of time so i see a lot of people where they're like hey i'm just gonna cut for three weeks and i'm gonna gain for a month and i'm like okay that's not gonna fucking work all right <laughs> you can't gain muscle that fast you might gain slightly or start to create new tissue but that's not gonna be long enough So if you're gonna run an actual lean gaining phase, you wanna be doing it for at least six to 12, and to be honest, 12 months, at least 12 months. Build muscle, marinate in it, grow it, get strong, actually build tangible amounts of muscle, and then run a mini cut or a dieting phase. And don't go on the seafood diet and eat everything. Don't try and get as big as you can, as heavy as you can, because a lot of it won't be muscle. Unfortunately, we can't gain it make it and create it that fast despite if you're taking performance and in drugs although it will help you can only gain muscle at a certain rate so for those of you my listeners i know most of you are natural athletes so we want to be looking on that more conservative side don't necessarily eat everything in sight it's better to grow with quality a little bit slower so you can maintain a better composition a better physique because at the end of the day we're all doing this because we want to look better or at least that's one key variable so don't do the very thing that goes against that and get fat and don't even look like your lift it's not going to be good for your health it's not going to help you with your gains if anything it's just going to hinder you and on the opposite side of that for my other friends who are scared of putting on body fat don't be staying too lean either because again you're not going to assimilate muscle mass you're not going to strong life's going to suck Um, you're going to be constantly hungry thinking about food etc for the most part and you're not gonna do any favors for your strength in the gym. So again, get between the sweet spot, eight to 15% body fat, right? My recommendation, 8% on the low end, again, we're all genetically different, 15% on the high end, or wherever you're happy living, dependent with your goals. And uh, if you set up the bulking phase right, you shouldn't get fat, and you should be able to grow leaner, so then you might even need to not, not even need to do a lean, um, a mini cut for a while, uh, and then when you do, you know that, well, yeah i've built some damn muscle on, on this frame which is more satisfying okay so on to uh, the next question um i'm just gonna pick i've got like just a plethora here in front of me so i'm just gonna pick the most popular ones out of these for now whatever come to mind and we'll just work our way through them we won't get through all of them in this episode because i'm gonna keep this one a little bit shorter sharper and sweeter uh, and then if they're popular i'll create more okay this this is this is one for the ladies out there okay so um this again this this one happens to be from jane but we'll keep the last name disclaimer um jane asks how can uh, how can she get rid or minimize thigh fat and get toned slim legs without getting bulky or muscular okay good question well a lot of females when they come to me they want to build you know a very toned tight slim sexy physique again these are all buzzwords descriptive words And what we have to understand is that when we look at body recomposition, we're looking at mainly two factors. We're looking at lean muscle mass and we're looking at body fat. And we wanna manipulate those variables desirably. So for example, it's always the case generally of decreasing body fat and increasing lean muscle mass. And through doing that, we achieve the desired results and the adaptations via strength training in its most simplistic sense. So the Fear there from women, as we can see in, or you know, we can um, tell in Jane's question here, is that she's going to get bulky or muscular. Now, unless you're taking performance enhancing drugs as a female, chances are you're not going to get massive legs, okay, bulky and muscular, because you don't have the same amount of testosterone as a male, okay? You're not ever going to assimilate the same amount of muscle mass to a degree. However, something else to note is that most women do have big hips, bums, thighs, right? You see the girls in the gym, they're in a pair of tights, man, they're working that booty out, and you're like, wow, man, the girl's got a big lower body. But what we've got to realise is that women hold body fat in this area. They hold most of their body fat, generally, in their legs, their bum, their thigh area. Now, the reason for that is childbearing purposes, okay? um and that's the way they hormone only set up and for men we are around the abdomen right that's why we always hear of guys i just want to lose my gut just want to lose my belly that's generally where we store most of our body fat once again for physiological purposes to protect our vital organs so when we increase our body fat stores that's generally where it's going to go for the most part as well as being distributed around the body with you know genetic preferences so a lot of women will hold a lot of fat there anyway. And so that will add to the illusion that their legs are bigger than what they actually are. So when we actually decrease body fat down over time, and contrary to popular belief, we can't really choose where we lose body fat. Um, we just gotta keep losing it until you know we decrease it and it goes in those areas, which it will over time. So a lot of the time when women actually get very lean, you'll see this on stage, they don't actually have really good legs or big legs or as big as they did in the off season, and oftentimes they're quite disappointed because they've not built muscle. And when the body fat's actually been stripped to an extreme stage, we can see the lack thereof. So we definitely want to make sure that we set that expectation and we want to train, we want to use strength training to kind of build muscle because again it's going to give us that tight lifted look, which as females you want. And again, whether that's bikini level or you know all the way up to figure, etc., you don't need anything too, you know um extreme depending on what you're after and once again there's nothing wrong with having body fat there either you know it's the whole thick thighs save lives and all that but then obviously that's to a point i mean at the end of the day if you're happy you're happy but a pet hate of mine is you know you get most girls they put a nice pair of tights on man it looks like they got a great little body and half the time it's not it's the tights doing the job those tights are just holding in all that body fat and just making that ass look great you take the tights off and it's cellulite city. So back to Jane's question is, how can she get slim legs without getting bulky or muscular? Well, my recommendation would be to eat in a calorie deficit to do some exercise, uh, to do some regular exercise and definitely to implement some resistance-based activity so that when you know you do lose the body fat, then you're not going to end up with this, what we talked about before I referenced this skinny fat look, skinny fat being, you know, I'm I'm not really like, I've lost the weight but I'm still like flabby and soft and my my bum doesn't perk up and it doesn't sit up and it's just sort of saggy and you see this with a lot of females who do a lot of cardio and they get very lean, they're always on the hamster wheel or the stepper, I see them in the gym all the time and the tights are doing a great job to be green and they get sort of like they lose a lot of weight. Kudos to them, and then they're like saggy and soft, um, and usually that will be because they're starving themselves as well. And they're like, "Why doesn't my physique look the like way I want?" And it's because they fear strength training, or they've not been educated that strength training or lifting weights are, is actually going to be the thing that increases that muscle mass, that creates that tone, that pulls the glycogen carbohydrates into the muscle, and gives it that hard look. I mean, most of muscle mass is, is made up by water. So if you're not eating enough carbohydrates, if you're not creating and stimulating muscle mass through resistance-based activity, you're not going to have a hard, lifted, tight, toned look. You're going to have a soft look, generally. Um, yes, we we can look at you know cardiovascular activity like high-intensity interval training and, and you know athlete-based sports, which are more specific and will definitely build tone and muscle. But we're talking about girls here who are just sitting on the treadmill or you know on the hamster wheel or doing very light to moderate activity. So we need some resistance, we need some stress and stimulus on the muscle to make it grow, to, excuse me, create new muscle tissue, increase the cross-sectional size of the actual muscle fibres themselves, and actually create that look by increasing muscle mass and increasing body fat that you want. So for most women who want to get rid of minimize, of fight that, um, yes, it can be hormonal as well, but once again, if you are eating correctly so you're getting enough protein carbohydrates and fats collectively so you're eating sound nutrition you know whole foods etc good amounts of protein fats and carbohydrates every day in alignment to good sleep rest and recovery and then you pair that with some strength training sessions you will find that your body will recompose more desirably because a lot of the time women who are holding a lot of cellulite in these areas and holding a lot of fat they're very hormonally burnt out because they've either been starving themselves, they're not eating correctly, they're doing other things, drugs as such, they're not sleeping right, they're stressed out and it's all of these things in unison and again it's never just one thing right, it's it's many things that contribute to this um, um, result and, and where they've got themselves in this problematic case. So a lot of the time it's just doing these little things over time and, and that will obviously help with slimming down and and reducing body fat and increasing muscle so you can actually achieve the desired results that you want. So once again, looking at rates of fat loss, which are bespoke and should I say accurate and relevant for the person without killing themselves and then adding strength sessions in there as well. So to recap, how can you get rid and minimize thigh fat and get tone slim and sexy without getting too muscular? Well, once again, the answer is eating the right amount of food Eating good foods in a calorie deficit and pairing that with some good strength training regimes and uh, using the appropriate exercises to build lean tissue Cool, right next question. All right question here from Matt How should you eat if you're trying to build muscle and work shifts? Okay so it's a good question because a lot of people out there working shifts, night shifts, doubles, long hours, et cetera, and they, they wanna build muscle and I, I coach a few clients who actually do so. And it can be a little bit challenging uh, for a couple of factors. So let's 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 lay those out, let's have a look at it. So when we look at someone who's doing shift work, if they're, they're working nights, we have to acknowledge that their sleep patterns, their sleep-wake patterns and their sarc- circadian rhythm, and therefore their hunger signals, leptin, ghrelin, et cetera, um they're gonna be skewed. So leptin levels, uh, leptin hormone responsible for generally, you know, metabolizing fat and gremlin, the one that is responsible for your hunger levels. So you'll notice people, a lot of shift workers, a lot of people that work overnight, generally don't have good body compositions they are generally overweight. Their body tells them they're hungry when they're not because they're meant to be asleep and it throws everything out. Now, there's a list longer than my two arms, but together, of a lack of sleep and what that can do for you. And I've covered a little bit about that in um, one or a couple of my YouTube videos, which you can head over, but a resource just quickly that I would recommend, um, who is also gonna be coming on the podcast. uh, His name is Matthew Walker. I wanna get him on the podcast. I have reached out, but he's on a sabbatical at the moment. Um, And he's written the book. He's a neuroscientist called Why We Sleep. And it's one of the best books, if not the best book I've ever read. I've, I've gifted it to a few people. I've recommended it to all my clients. It is simply phenomenal. It will go through all of the facets of sleep, how it affects us, why we need to sleep, you know, what we know so far, you know, based on evidence and literature and experience today. today and it will really extrapolate how important and emphasize the vitality of sleep for your health. So straight away, we're on the back foot. So yes, ideally we want to not be doing shift work. We don't want to be doing night work, but sometimes that's not an option for people or they can't make it a quick fix. I do believe it's in everyone's power to set up their own life. So I think, you know, yes, quit the shift work at some point. But again, let's say that we can't right now, we've got to continue on. So we need to try and once again, set up sound nutritional habits. So it might be a case of offsetting their food. We've still got calorie in, uh, we've still got energy balance, which is gonna be our main factor. So for example, if this is someone who's working and starting at 3 a.m. and say finishing at, you know, 12 noon the next day or whatever it might be, then we can offset their day to work in with that rhythm or that time scale because at the end of the day, it's still gonna add up. And it might be a case of having some snacks through or having a little bit more food throughout the night but still in alignment to their calorie goal. Okay? Um, and having a plan and a strategy so you're not overeating during that phase or during that time and you're actually prepared with good nutritious foods. Generally, you know, when you're in a lack or a uh, you've got a lack of sleep, you're in a tired state, you're going to want hyperpalatable foods, processed foods, you know, things that are high in salt, high in fat, high in sugar, fast foods, etc. And that's what you're going to want, that's what your body's going to be craving at that time. So, preparing more nutritious foods, more whole foods, making foods yourself, bringing in, you know, fruits and vegetables, proper meals that you can make with good sources of protein, good sources of carbohydrates, good sources of fats, it's going to help you do that. So, preparation is going to be key when doing this and the other facet of that is getting enough food in because depending on your job you might not have a lot of breaks you might not feel like eating at that time of night as well contrary to what i've just said and that's where okay then maybe you need to pre-prepare some liquidized meals it might be having some smoothies having just a protein shake if you if you don't feel like eating but having something so at least you're getting some sort of nutrients in it could be a case of time restricted feeding so what do we mean by that we're not going to eat during our work shifts, so we're going to eat very little. Obviously, it's good to have something in between the breaks. Again, that might be as I've just aforementioned, a protein shake, a piece of fruit, you know, some water, some something like that. It might be a coffee, a tea, whatever it is that you're going to require in that time. Just something. Some form of protein would be idealistic and obviously plenty of hydration. But then it might be eating more of your foods before your shift or after a shift, okay? You don't wanna eat just before you're gonna go to bed, like bomb yourself, but it might be you finish your shift, you know, you've got three or four hours before you're actually gonna hit the hay and you know, you're eating a couple of bigger meals within that time. You might even pair that up with, before you start your shift, you know, eating some foods, which would be recommended if you're working, you know, a physical job to be fueling the body throughout that time you're going to be burning a lot of calories you're going to be physically active you know you need to be cognitively aware if you're doing shift work you're usually going to be looking after maybe, you know something like heavy machinery or a factory or something that does require a level of you know intelligence um so you want to make sure you're getting that in as well uh, now in terms of obviously training then you definitely want to still be doing that because otherwise if you're eating in a surplus you're not going to be getting muscle So it might be the case that if you're doing shift work, you're gonna be a lack of sleep, you're gonna be tired. You might have to train before you start your shift or after, probably before is gonna be better because after you're gonna be wrecked. Um, You're gonna need to sleep and and there's no point working out if you're in a very sleep depleted state. It's not gonna achieve much. You could then drop the workouts back. You might not be able to do a five-day split because, again, with shift work, you're going to be a little bit tired. You may be run down if you're working shifts, doubles, etc. You might be working some big 12 to 15-hour shifts, and therefore you're not going to be able to, you know, work as much. If, you know, you were doing sort of an eight-hour shift or you're working days, etc. So it might be a case of sacrificing. Okay, well I can't do five days, but I'm going to do three solid days. I'm going to do a full body, lower body, upper body split or something like that so again it's just about manipulating these variables again in turn internally with your lifestyle your behaviors your habits and, and this is what we look at when we're setting up programming we've got to look at someone's lifestyle we've got to look at someone's skill set behaviors what they can do what they can't do and we've got to make a plan that is going to be you know sustainable flexible and achievable for them because otherwise it's not going to work so again sometimes the best program on paper isn't the one that's best in real life so Sitting down, creating a plan, and um, doing something that you can actually sustain is going to be the best to to do this if you're someone who works shifts and making the best out of your current situation um, until you can perhaps get a better role, a better job, or work day shifts, etc. All right, so what I'm going to do is I'm going to leave that one there for now. Um, I know that um, we've got, well, actually, you know what? We've got time for one more. We'll do one more. We'll do one more question, and then I'll leave it there. We'll do this one a little bit shorter than normal podcasts. And if you guys like these episodes and you want to hear more Q&A, then I'll be doing them as well. And make sure you send any questions. So the last one I will answer is I got this one. And this has come up a lot. Uh, so this one is from Reese, And he said uh, him and his partner have just started a uh, a 12-week challenge six week, 12 week challenge, et etc and uh, they've been given you know X amount of calories to, to hit. Um, but they've both been given the same amount of calories. So he's come to me and he says, "How can this be possible?" You know, from from what I've learned, you know, we're all, we're all kind of unique, and there's no way that me being X amount of weight, my wife being you know a lot lighter, that that she would you know be on the same calories, or we should be on the same calories. So to answer that one, for those of you who are doing any challenges out there um, at the gyms, you know, they they can be a great instigator to you know promoting better health and, and moving your health in a better direction. But what you've got to understand is that. You know, if you're paying 50, 100, whatever it is, dollars, you know, a lot of this stuff is going to be cookie cutter. Yes, they might have worked with dietitians or nutritionists, um, but they'll spit out three to four templates of, you know, 1,200 calorie diet, 1,800 calorie, a 2,000 and a 2,200. And they'll distribute that out based on your body weight, your activity level or whatever it is. And they'll do the same with workouts too. There might be workout A, B, C and D or strength training, aerobic training, whatever it is. And you'll get assigned this stuff, and and look, it's cookie cutter. It's it'll work for most people. It'll it'll get you moving in the right direction if you stick to it, but it does that based on you know averages and based on really putting you in a severe deficit for the most part. And so for most people, because it's not bespoke, it will perhaps having have you losing weight a lot faster than you need or should be. Uh, that is sustainable because it will be very enjoyable and uh, unenjoyable. And the second thing to consider is that it's not going to actually educate you or teach you anything. So if you do this 12-week challenge or six-week challenge and you go on this cookie-cutter diet plan and it says, you know, eat this, this, and this, or eat this, and this, this day, or pick from this, this, and this, and, you know, make sure you're only eating these things, it might teach you a little bit, um, but it doesn't teach you about the fundamental principles of being in a deficit. It doesn't create good relationships with food, and it's not sustainable, it's not flexible, it's not enjoyable. And it doesn't teach you how to weight train because if you've not learned been learned the technique, you could get this weight training program and you could be going in there and you're gonna injure yourself because no one's taught you how to do a Bulgarian split squat or no one's taught you how to do a sumo deadlift or no one's taught you how to do a glute ham raise or whatever it might be. Um, so you go in there with a loaded gun. You know, you pay your money, you smash yourself for six to twelve weeks, you lose x amount of body fat you take some pictures you get some pats on the back you eat some cake and you fat again Uh, and you go back to the same thing you did or you continue to starve yourself and try and follow this plan until the point where you burn out and then you put the body fat back on and then six to twelve months later you sign up for another six to twelve week challenge and you repeat the cycle and that is the sad reality of it and i know a lot of you will be sitting there going yeah That sounds about right. I've done that. That's me. Uh, And it's bullshit. So although, again, they have their merit and they can be good, we need to be a bit more intelligent. Sometimes it's better to... You know, if you've if you got a goal, start the goal, seek it out, but perhaps you need to go and seek out some coaches and peers and practitioners like myself that can actually educate you a little bit more and give you something more bespoke to you, give you some education so you can actually continue on this journey and do it for the long run, do it in a way, again, that's sustainable, flexible, and enjoyable so you can get the results, keep the results, keep on building on those results, and actually end up doing this yourself and understanding nutrition and understanding some basic energy, you know, um, balance principles and, and what, what good protein sources are and what good carbohydrate sources are and fats etc and how they differ and you know how you can still eat and be flexible with your foods what exercises should you do that are going to be congruent to your goal what are the most intelligent ways to approach your exercises and your training regime and then how is that going to fit in with your lifestyle and and so on and so forth so when it comes to these challenges take them with a grain of salt be a little bit more skeptical be a little bit more intelligent seek out or invest in a good coach or some good knowledge that can actually help you achieve that as well. And you may find that you will excel beyond the six and 12 week challenge, make this a lifestyle and make it something that you can actually enjoy for the long run, which at the end of the day is gonna be more beneficial for you and your body and your goals and your happiness. Um, So I'm gonna wrap it up there team. If you like this episode, uh, which was a little bit different and based around, you know, a and A, some of the most popular questions that I get asked and that are out there um, via social media in person on the gym floor, and there's there's many, many more. Then let me know. Uh, make sure you comment below. Uh, you know, if you're watching this on YouTube, let me know what you thought. Let me know your input. Ask some questions there if you like. But if you want specific question asked go to my instagram page fearless underscore training underscore and pop it in the comments below inbox me or send me an email even better at alex at fearless training.org and i can compile the questions and i'll make sure i get through to them and, and answer these in as much detail as i can without confusing you and once again for those of you who want to learn more make sure you jump over to the website get yourself in my academy it's 25 a week okay for All the information on training, all the information on nutrition that can help you get started and continue your progress and actually teach and educate you on how to lift weights properly, what to lift, what are the exercises I should be doing, how can I actually implement these within a week, within a schedule, within a program? What are recipes that I can cook with professional chefs and nutritionists? How do I set up my calories? What is a macronutrient? What's a micronutrient? What supplements do I take? Are they even important? All of these questions, so on and so forth, are answered in there in a format which is very easy to to digest. They're professional videos, film with me, with other peers and practitioners, with new updates every week, and we cover everything training, nutrition, and lifestyle, as always, collectively and respectively, so you can be your own coach, your own trainer, okay, and actually start getting these results and learning yourself and implementing these things anywhere in the world for a very low cost. And that's me paying it forward to you so you can actually go forth and get tangible results, become wiser, ask better questions and avoid a lot of frustration, time and wasting money on bullshit. Anyway, guys, as always, thank you for listening. I will see you back here next week with another episode. And until then, as always, stay fearless.